Hello and welcome to Horror Court Trash Over, the show that discusses all the masterpieces and trash to pieces of genre cinema. I'm Gary. And I'm Chris. And we are back to trash. Although I suppose May hasn't exactly been free of trash at all, girl. Yeah. <laughs> Very similar energy. In fact, that was our last... Because uh, this episode was delayed. Uh, apologies. We did have the busiest weekend of our lives. Mm-hmm. Um... But yeah, the the previous full episode would have been Tall Girl, not Captain Original vs. Remake. Um, so what a double bill. Yes. What a double bill. Thanks, Netflix. <laughs> and uh, thank you, Max, for the recommendation again, who previously uh, recommended LOL. Um, <laughs> are, are we going to have any more recommendations after this? Well, I've I've got a recommendation that's very similar. So uh, when we get to the end, I I that may be a future podcast episode. We, we appreciate all recommendations, even if <laughs> it does result in us watching uh, one of the worst films we've ever seen. Yeah, <laughs> uh, which is exactly what this is. Uh, this is Bratz the movie from two thousand and seven. Two thousand and seven. What a time to be alive. What a time to be alive. Um. <laughs> Directed by Sean McNamara, the director of On a Wing and a Prayer, The King's Daughter, Jesse, Cats and Dogs Free, Pause Unite, Baby Geniuses and the Treasures of Egypt, and Baby Geniuses and Space Baby. Also, Baby Geniuses, a television show. The Sweet Life movie, That's So Raven, Sightings, Casper, A Spirited Beginning, Casper Meets Wendy, Three Ninjas, High Noon at Mega Mountain, Sister Swap, A Hometown Holiday, uh, Christmas in the City, uh, lots more. What a career. From that list, the ones I've heard of, not including the Disney TV series, they've been savaged. You know, Three Ninjas, the the one with um, Hulk Hogan, mm-hmm. that is well known as being shite. I think it's a sequel to that. Baby Genius, yeah, Three Ninjas, yeah, yeah. the sequel. So that's the, that's the yeah. sequel. So he with... took on, well, yeah, I mean, he took on these franchises that are already in the dirt. Baby Geniuses, yeah, that was trash. That's mm-hmm. well renowned as one of the worst. That's a Bob Clark film. It is. That it is, is. well renowned, and he's carried on the franchise. Fuck yeah, yeah. That explains um, it really. It was written by Susan Estelle Jansen. Um, who wrote the Lizzie, Magu- Lizzie McGuire movie? Boy yeah, Meets World. It kind of makes sense, though, to be fair. Well, I mean, the Lizzie McGuire movie is at the very Much least better. good. <laughs> yeah. um, Boy Meets World, Girl Meets World, Home Improvement, Cutting Edge Free, Chasing the Dream, and more. Adam DeLapina, who did Chelsea, Code Monkeys, Frank Yankers, I'm with Boosie, the Gary Boosie uh, reality TV show. Mm Lopez Tonight, and more. And David Eilenberg, who did God Order Girl, The Ali G Show, Dog Eat Dog, The Weakest Link, yes, the Anne Robinson game show, Are You Smiter, uh, Smiter? Are You Smarter Than a Fifth Grader, yes, the game show, and more. Yes, this is written by three fucking people. Yeah. Some of the worst films we've covered on this podcast have been written by multiple people. It feels like... There's been a writer, then a rewriter, then a rewriter, and they've never been in the same room at the same time. Yeah. Because it's messy. Susie Singer-Carter wrote the final screenplay, but lost credit in Writer's Guild um, arbitration to the bewilderment of the producers and the director. Oh. 
her name appears as screenwriter on the final movie poster. She also forfeited her associate producer title when she entered uh, into the the issue with the uh, Writers Guild. And uh, it resulted in the loss of both credits. The only credit she has left in the film is an acting role as Meredith's mother, uh, Barbara Baxter Dimley. Susan Estelle Jensen uh, received final credit as screenwriter. Now, honestly, Susie Singer Carter got off easy there. Look like, at your Honestly, you should probably be happy about that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, what a mess. So messy. So messy. Which and explains a messy film. Exactly. Exactly. Um, Paul Abdul was originally hired as the film's executive producer, fashion designer and dance choreographer. Uh, but during an episode of Hey Paula, she received an email on a Blackberry firing her from the film. Yeah. So th- was there meant to be associations with American Idol? It would not surprise me. It's, well, I mean, go listen to our episode on um, on Justin to Kelly. Yeah. <laughs> if you yeah. Want, if you want to know about films associated with American uh-huh. Idol. Yeah. I, I don't think it would have made it any better if she was involved. But again, close escape. Yeah. Yeah. Um, made on a budget of $20 million and at the box office it made $26 million. I feel like it's a film that was probably highly marketed so I would assume it didn't make any money. It well, didn't get a sequel. But that doesn't make any sense because it was highly marketed. Yeah. But yeah, surely that would get more asses than suits. But it was savaged. Absolutely savaged by That's critics. true. That's true. But like, I mean... Supposedly, this film's for kids as a PG. I don't know who this film's made for. No. Because the Bratz dolls were aimed at children. Mm -hmm. And there was the huge sort of hoo-ha about the fact that they presented more adult than maybe they should. You know, the the, the kids' toys were, particularly girls, were... Younger, mm-hmm. baby dolls, yeah. you know, baby wee-wee and shit like that. Whereas Bratz dolls were, they had heavy makeup on, um, their outfits were sometimes quite adult, you know. And this film is high school students. But that might not be who the Bratz dolls were aimed at. Mm. It's it's a weird it's, sort of yeah. like who is your target audience for for the dolls themselves, and of course for the film, and then there was a TV animated TV series. Um, I I was never really too aware of Bratz. It was maybe a little after my time. It was ne- never something that I was interested in, um, so I didn't really get the hoo ha about it. Yeah. Um, this film set the record for one of the worst opening weekends for a theatrically released film in 2007. Uh, In its opening weekend, it only grossed $4.2 million, finishing 10th at the box office, immediately making it a box office bomb. Despite being in theatres for three months, the film never recovered and only finished with a $10 million domestic gross on its $20 million budget. The worldwide gross, of course, finished at $26 million, and it was the first live action adaptation of a fashion doll line to hit fear, to hit cinemas, and uh, I'm not counting the American Girl films based on the Mattel doll line. They went straight to video or television. Oh, okay. 
Um, the critical and financial failure of the film effectively killed off uh, any interest in other studios for making live-action films based on fashion doll lines. And it was only this year, uh, coming out soon, is the new Barbie film, is where you know they decided to give it another go. And I feel like it's going to pay off this time. Yeah, it, it's... Ultimately, when you have an established audience, mm-hmm. you have to be a really shit film not to make money. Yeah. There is an established audience there. Bratz dolls were very popular mm-hmm. at the time. There is an established audience. So the backlash against the film must have been so great that it put off all that audience. Mm-hmm. With Barbie, Barbie now now is such an established um, character, really, or an established um, thing. You know, it's in popular culture and has been for many decades. There is an audience there who maybe aren't familiar with the dolls, Mm -hmm. who didn't go with the doll. Look at something like uh, Super Mario Brothers. Yeah. A real established franchise. And because the film wasn't completely destroyed... With critics, mm-hmm. it's made tons of money. Yeah. Because not only do you have the established audience who love the games, you have people who are like, actually, I will check that out because Super Mario Bros. is an, a, a household name. Yeah. And it's getting good reviews. Let's go for it. You know, and people have gone to see it. Well, despite the failure for Bratz critically and financially, uh, it was surprisingly very successful on home video. And upon the release, DVD sales reached over $40 million within a month and was floating around the top 10 uh, for a few weeks afterwards. It's the kind of film that they've probably bought their kids. Yeah, just just to shove them them up. up, yeah. Like, yeah. oh my God, this is nearly two hours. That's incredible. Mm-hmm. Get the DVD, put it on, show yeah, up no, for absolutely. a while. Absolutely. <laughs> um, as a result of the failure, uh, critically and financially, it was one of the most nominated films of 2007 for the Golden Raspberry Awards. Yes. Of course, the Razzies, as we know it. Uh, being nominated for a whopping five awards, including Worst Picture, Worst Actress for all four leading actresses playing the Brats, Worst Supporting Actor for John Voight. Uh, worst Screen Couple for any combination of two totally airheaded characters. That feels misogynistic. Mm. And Worst Remake or Rip-Off. A rip-off if there ever was one. Um, in a rare instance, though, it won none of those awards. Because it was the year of I Know Who Killed Me. And More everyone misogyny. hated Lindsay Lohan. Yeah. I will tell you something right here, right now. Bratz is way worse than I Know oh, Who yeah. Killed Me. Yeah, no, absolutely. Way worse. But everybody hated Lindsay Lohan yeah. and wanted to see her downfall. Mm-hmm. And that's why. Yeah. Yeah, the classic misogyny of the 2000s. Um, I mean, this film, all of those awards, and maybe not the uh, worst on-screen couple thing, because, I mean, that entire category is just awful. It's um, very strange. Yeah. But everything else, no, fully deserved. It, yeah. it should have won all yeah. of those awards. Definitely. Like, it, it really is just jarringly bad. I mean, we've seen some trash, but this just, it makes no sense. And again, you know, I mean, you might be listening to this thinking, oh, it's two, guy, two gay guys in their 30s uh, slagging off a film that was made for children. Well, but is it, though? Is it made for children? 
and and this is very much what we said about LOL as well. Um, funny enough, it's it's definitely a specific category of films that we get recommended from Max. Um, <laughs> who's it made for? Who is it made for? And because I mean, there are certain scenes in this where I wouldn't say it's particularly adult, but it's definitely not a PG audience. Like certain jokes and whatnot, and it's kind of like. Some of it is so stupid to the point it's insulting to the viewer. Like, even if it's a kid, it's insulting to them. And some of the things they get away with here are something you could only get away with in the 2000s, where, you know, uh, pretty much anything goes. Its reference points are probably the more adult-oriented teen films. So it's stuff like Mean Girls, Clueless... Um, those kind of teen films. But it's also trying to be High School Musical. Like, it's yes. heavily trying to be High School yes. Musical. Let's, let's talk about who's in it. In a section we like to call, Hey, I Know You. Um, Brats. Natalia Ramos plays Yasmin. Yes. She was in Wildflower, House of Anubis, Gallows Hill, Soul Searching... Dean Slater, Resident Advisor, Switched at Birth, and more. Uh, Amanda Bynes, Emma Roberts, Scout Taylor Compton, and Scarlett Pomers were considered for this role. Okay. Uh, ultimately, Emma Roberts was the closest to, to get to it, but she went on to work on Nancy Drew instead. Okay. I can imagine yeah. that's probably just as uh, fun as this. I question whether the character would have changed if any of those... I would hope so. But I wouldn't I be surprised would if she... hope so. But I wouldn't be surprised if she didn't. Because, I mean, this is clutching here uh, with the actress they chose. It, it's... The, the picture... So, the, the character is Latina. Yeah. And the film very much reminds you of this at every Using given occasion. Given very much stereotypes. Yeah. Um, I would hope that maybe this aspect of the film was um, incorporated when Natalia Ramos was given the role. Because Natalia Ramos is was born in, in Madrid. She was, yeah. And um, her, I believe her mother is Spanish. Mm-hmm. Um, and therefore that aspect is yeah. very much emphasised in the character. It is, yeah. Um, but her mother in this... I don't know, it's confusing. Um, so Lainey Kazan plays who I believe is her mother, who is called Bubby. Um, it's never given their relationship, um, and it's the only sort of parental figure we get for Yasmin. But Lainey Kazan is um, Jewish. Mm-hmm. And um, I believe her family was from Israel. And yeah. they moved to uh, Manchester, UK, actually, and then to America, to Brooklyn. So that is iffy. Yeah. It is confusing. And mm-hmm. um, what was she in? Because I haven't got her in my... She was in my big you. fat Greek wedding. Yeah. That's what she was most famous for. But she also replaced Barbara Streisand on the stage as Fanny Bryce in um, Funny Girl. Yeah. 
So um, yeah, Lainey Kazan, she's she's a very well known actress. She was in Pixels, <laughs> uh, Jiggly. <laughs> Uh, wow, obviously, my big fat Greek wedding one and two, and I'm assuming she'll be in the new one. We know her from Lust in the Dust. Yes, she played opposite um, Divine in mm-hmm. Lust in the Dust. Very, very fantastic actress. Uh, great comedy actress. Terrible choice of roles. Terrible choice. Yeah, confusing choice in roles. Definitely. Um, but yeah, no, it is if you know she's cast as that character. Yeah, um, it is. It is strange, but it, the relationship between them's never given. It's not. No. No. Uh, Skylar Shea plays Chloe. She's known for Grey's Anatomy, all of the Baby Geniuses sequels and TV series. Dangerous Game, The Legacy Murder, Texas Blood, Boys Will Be Boys, and more. Um, when she was auditioning for Chloe, she accidentally knocked over a few things in the office. She was absolutely sure that she blew it and she wouldn't get the role as a result. But when she received a callback, she learned that Chloe is supposed to be a klutz and her clumsiness oh. actually helped her get the role. Perfect. And blonde too. And blonde too. Incredible. Yeah. Groundbreaking. Avril Lavigne, Mika Borum, Hayden Panettiere, Brian Davis, Sabrina Bryan, Kay Panabaker, AJ Mikala, Amy uh, Bruckner, Alona Tal, Jeanette McCurdy, Hannah Spirit, and Emily Osman uh, were all considered for this role. Okay. Hannah from S Club 7 was far too old far to too be old. playing this role. Far too... Let's be, I do feel like the actresses were very much older than what they were playing. Yeah. I do feel that. But even, like, Hannah Spirit... Even Avril Lavigne would Avril have been Lavigne too old. Avril would have been too old. Wow. Yeah. Right. Okay. There is something um, Avril Lavigne could have helped with, and I'll uh, I'll let you know oh, wow. that later. <laughs> um, Janelle Parrish plays Jade. She was in Hallows Where the Home Is, which we watched at Fright Fest, which is abysmal. Pretty Little Liars, To All the Boys I've Loved Before, Christmas is Cancelled, Coyote Creek Christmas, High School Exorcism, and more. Um... She was an experienced singer, so she was the only actress who actually sang uh, when the opportunity came about. Yes. During the end credits. Um, and during the uh, big musical number. The rest were coached on lip syncing to prepare for their musical numbers. Davy Chase, Jojo. longer. Jojo, as in leave right nice. now, get out. Yeah. Brittany Curran, Sky Sweetnam, Phoebe Tonkin, Cassandra Skirbo, Victoria Justice... Uh, Daniela Monet, Alexa Panavega, Kristen Harry. Oh my God. So many actresses. Uh, Miley Cyrus was one of them. Lindsay Lohan. Yeah. Miley Cyrus and, and Lindsay Lohan <laughs> as this character who is uh, half Chinese, half Canadian. Yeah. Uh, they're all considered for the role. Again, I, I, I'm assuming... And I really, really hope so. But these are based on established characters. I for don't the doll know. If range. The, yeah, but I feel like with brats, are they not? I don't know brats. Are they established characters, or I mean, is it loads of different characters? No, no, no. It's it's these four girls. So it is these four girls yeah, yeah, yeah. with these names. With these names. With these established char- characteristics. Yeah, I mean they had their own animated series as well. Yeah. So it, it is these four girls. Oh, they are. Wow. Yeah. Ugh. 
Yeah, and Miley Cyrus and Lindsay Lohan were considered for that role. Oh. Yeah. Mm, oh, no. And no. finally, uh, Logan Browning plays Sasha. She was in The Perfection, Powers, Dear White People, Young Justice, The First Sling, Brotherly Love, The Secret Circle, Meet the Browns, and more. And Tessa Thompson was uh, in mind to play Sasha at first. Uh, other actresses considered were Christina Vidal, Ashanti, and Kyla Pratt. Ooh. Ashanti, again, you've been too old. Um, but yeah, okay. There's some talented women there that could have been... Born. Yeah. And not had to have lip-synced. Yeah. Let's be honest. <laughs> um, yeah, do you have anyone else? Yes, John Voigt plays Principal Dimly. And uh, he was most famous for Midnight Cowboy and um, Coming Home, Oscar winner. Mm-hmm. Um, he was in Mission Impossible, Zoolander, Heat, Holes. Very well-established actor, father of Angelina Jolie. Um, he was also in Super Babies. There we oh, go. Baby Geniuses, Super Babies. Um, yeah, crazy, crazy. So many of these films just have random Oscar winners in. Yeah. I feel like every week when it's a trash to piece or just trash, I'm like, an Oscar nominated, an Oscar nominee. It's like, oh, how sad. Yeah. Um, we also have Chet Hanks. Yeah. Son of Tom Hanks. Interesting choice. Um, most famous now for being... A terrible person. Messy. Very messy. And, um, yeah... He was in this playing a geek. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or, or what the film told us was a geek. Yeah. As these films let's... have a tendency to do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so let's, let's, um, let's, yeah, let's talk about feature presentation. Today. There are 48 places. Five seating charts right here. I think we're good. Why fit in? We be ourselves. Let's do it. When you can stand out. You guys look like rock stars. Oh! The movie baby starts today. Four teenage best friends, Chloe, Yasmin, Sasha, and Jade, are about to start high school. They're all so enthusiastic about this. And we get Summer's Gone by Slumber Party Girls playing, whilst we also get the tacky font for the opening credits. Is it Comic Sans? It is Comic Sans. It looks like it? Comic Sans. Ew. I, like, really, you've got a $20 million budget and this is all you can afford? Yeah. Ew. Yeah. But then Bratz has an established font. I know, they have an established font. Just Why use it. just use that? Yeah. Um, one of them has a hidden compartment for sewing in her shoes closet with Gwen Stefani and Nelly Furtado posters on the wall. Yeah. Thanks, so 2007. That's, that's Jade. She's got Gwen Stefani on. Which makes sense when later on there's a costume change. Yeah. Um... Who who else has posters on their wall? Uh, Yasmin. Yasmin. Who does Yasmin have? Gwen Stefani. Oh, she has Gwen Stefani. She also has Gwen oh, Stefani. Okay. Yeah. Oh, oh, they both do. Uh-huh. Oh, wow. Okay. Cool. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, Yasmin needs to get in the bathroom to finish getting ready for school, but her camp brother... Well, I had it in my notes. He was camp, he was camp at the time. Mm. He quickly becomes very creepy. And weird and annoying, but we'll get to it. Uh, he's taken ages to get ready because, in his words, perfection takes time and I'm worth every single second. Which, you know, okay, right. Um, 
his character trait essentially is he loves his hair. Yeah. And he takes his hair too seriously. Mm-hmm. And that's it. That, yeah. That's it. Yasmin goes downstairs. Um, she looks perfectly fine, by the way. Like, her yeah. hair and makeup's done. Uh-huh. So it I don't know why done. she needs the bathroom to get ready for school. She looks perfectly fine. She goes downstairs and there is a mariachi band in her kitchen. Yeah. And her relative, whoever it is, Bubby, uh, she gives her a pair of shoes in exchange for some chocolate that Yasmin pulls from behind her ear. Yeah. And Bubby is so astonished that Yasmin is able to do this (laughs) magic trick. And it happens again in the film where she exchanges shoes for chocolate. And she's astonished. How do you do it? Well, who's this joke for? What is this joke? Uh, uh, what is this? Uh, where is she keeping it? I'd like to know how she does it. Um, where is she keeping it? It's also really cheap chocolate. It is. It is, it is. you know, little Valentine's chocolates. Yeah. It's um, only a little chocolate as well, like for a whole pair of shoes. These shoes are worth way more than a shitty piece <laughs> <Yeah>. of chocolate. <laughs> um, Bobby puts the chocolate in her cleavage. She does. Which surely would make the chocolate melt. I mean, that's not the best place. It's to not the best place. I mean, but yeah, but why isn't it melted already? Where is she keeping this? Yeah, but why doesn't she just eat the chocolate as well? I know. <laughs> like, she would never actually see her eat any of this mm-hmm. chocolate that she's given throughout the film. Um. Yeah. We then introduced to Sasha, who has to show her dad how to work the toaster, and uh, he's like, "Oh, what would I do without you?" What, how do you not know how to work a fucking toaster, you fucking stupid film? Like, seriously. What? What? what who's this? Uh, no, I'm not asking the same question again. No. But what a fucking stupid joke. Three writers. Three writers wrote this joke. So the idea is that Sasha's parents are bitterly divorced and they refuse to speak each other uh, to each other despite being in the same room. So it's very much... Um, the, the establishing joke is that neither of them know when the dentist appointment is. But they're trying to remind each other. But neither of them know. Because they're too busy being mad at each other and refusing to talk to each other. Mm -hmm. And Sasha's caught in the middle. So Sasha has to be the adult. She even says, I'm the kid. You're supposed to be the adults. Well, I mean, first she says, "Ah, why can't the two of you just talk to each other? (laughs) Um... So this is, you know, child of divorce. That's the issue that she's having. And all of the, the girls, the brats, they have their issues to deal with that only come up during certain circumstances. Yeah. This film is the best part of two hours long. Mm-hmm. And these issues that the girls have, very real life issues, are never fully dealt with. No. It just, it's kind of the butt of a joke every so often or conveniently brought up when the plot needs it to happen. And this one is Sasha, you know, feeling caught in the middle of her divorced parents. Mm -hmm. Um, One of them doesn't know how to use a toaster and uh, (laughs) they both refuse to talk to each other. Okay, I get it. Okay, cool. This is established. Then we have Jade's mother who is a very controlling mother, particularly with her clothing choices and her education. Mm-hmm. This is very stereotypical yeah. of an Asian family. Yeah, is this is a very offensive stereotype. 
And also with with Sasha, her stereotype is the way she talks. I mean, this is clearly made by white people. Yeah. Um, and like everything has to have girl at the start of it. Like it's very yeah. It, again, it's playing heavily on stereotypes of uh, how people perceive black women to talk at the time of this being made. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And when um, we have Jade's mother talking to her before school and giving her a little pep talk about how, you know, she needs to join the mathletes and she needs to join the science club and she needs to join this club for her education. Constance Shu, who plays her mother, the accent is very, very strong. It is, yeah, she is, she's putting effort it into... It feels, uh, it very much feels like uh, Constant Shoe has been asked yeah. to really emphasize that accent. Yeah. It really feels that way and it's uncomfortable mm-hmm. because pairing that with the stereotypes of Asian families, yeah. it's that, oh, come on, guys. Fuck off. Yeah. You know, what is what purpose is this serving? I mm. mean, it's not funny. But that's the thing, I feel like it's very much play for comedy, which yeah. just makes it even worse. Absolutely. Like, I mean, it, it feels like they're playing how many offensive stereotypes can you fit into, like, five minutes. Yeah, absolutely. Because then you have Chloe, who's a blonde girl, and she is so ditzy that yeah. she can't even park her bike without no. getting into a mess. Like, oh, Lord. She's dressed like strawberry shortcake as a yoga instructor. Mm-hmm. It's awful. She's got these random... It's like this blue hoodie... Yeah. Um, with these random rainbow armbands. Mm-hmm. And they are like armbands. And um, it's, again, just a stereotype yeah. of a young blonde girl who can't complete a simple task mm-hmm. without getting into trouble yeah. and falling over or, you know, pushing her bike over. Yeah. And before she's introduced, we get a oddly aggressive montage of the school. Um, yeah, like, I mean the way it's edited, it's like something. It's like action film editing. Like it's like fast and it, with the music it's paired with, it's really strange. Like there's a cheerleader being thrown into the air and being caught. Someone's bending over backwards. There's various signs saying conform and like and like fucking they live. It's like, like they live. Definitely. What is what's going on? What? Why? Why are they trying to make it look like Cal? Like <laughs> there's also an armed security at the school which yeah. could, could have been an interesting socio-political comment strange not comment considering yeah. the film it's in but yeah I, I don't know what that's there for it would be strange to have that as a social commentary but a valid one yeah if if this film was aimed at a you know um older audience mm-hmm. Um, it could have meant something, but it's just, it feels so weird. It does. Like, is it played for laughs? Yeah. Armed security at the school? Mm-hmm. Like, really? Is this a joke that you're having? Yeah. In a film in 2007? It's crazy. They all huddle up uh, to prepare for their first day. Slash allow Jade to make a costume change. Yeah. Sasha says, I'm going to own cheerleading. Chloe says, I'm going to try out for sucker. And then Sasha says, yes. <laughs> Not as in yes, as in yes, as in Yasmin. You have to join the chorus. You have to join chorus. You made it sound I'm, like yes. I'm so gay that I can't even say yes without making it sound like that. 
Um, you know you have the most insane voice ever. Sasha's um, comment to uh, Yasmin is dismissed, though, when she says, Not a chance. Remember kindergarten? Me, Mary had a little lamb. Throw up. 30 kids screaming. I think I'll own journalism instead. And uh, Jade says, You know I'm owning science. And Sasha says, Okay, work that IQ, girl. But please, don't lose your passion for fashion. Yeah. <laughs> Which is the tagline of Bratz. And Bratz has its own theme song. Not featured in the film. No. How is this not featured in the film? Crazy. Absolutely insane that that theme song, which goes off, by the way, is <laughs> not featured. Insane. Absolutely insane. Why? Why are there, Yeah. Why is there not a version in the film sung by the girls in the film? Yeah. I mean, obviously, or whoever's doing their lip sync parts. Um, I have I have problems here. I have problems. Really? Here. Yes. It's all based on stereotypes. It yeah. is all, all based on stereotypes. But as we've established, the actress playing Jade is an established singer. Yeah. Beautiful singer. Mm-hmm. She sings at the end of the film during the credits. Yeah. Astonishing. Why is she not playing Yasmin? Yeah. Why is she not playing Yasmin? Yeah. <laughs> it's insane. Just what the, Obviously basing just what the it characters around, around the actresses, you know, get rid of those stereotypes yeah. anyway. Get rid of them. And have the actress playing Jade play Yasmin. It's completely insane. It just, it's so jarring whenever Yasmin does sing because she's clearly lip syncing. Uh Have an established singer. I I don't get it because at the end of the film, you're establishing the actress who Mm -hmm. plays Jade as a beautiful singer. Yeah. Ugh. Really? Yeah. It's it's really that simple. Mm -hmm. Get them to swap parts. Yeah. You know, it's the Golden Girls theory when, you know, Rue McClanahan and Betty White swapped parts because it worked better. Yeah. Swap them around. I'm not, I would never compare these to the Golden you Girls. <laughs> but all, you know, it's very typical high school movie problems that they have. Mm-hmm. I'm a beautiful singer, but I can't sing in public. I want to be a fashion designer, but my parents won't allow me. You know, my parents are divorcing and I'm stuck in the middle. Chloe, as it happens, you know, because it's not established to begin with, comes from a single parent family and they're struggling with money. She's also very ditzy, but that apparently doesn't affect her soccer skills. No. Um, no. Uh, okay. Yeah, she's really clumsy, yet she could play football perfectly. Yeah. What? Yeah. Jade um, comes up from the huddle, revealing a hideous outfit that she made. She's got a little blue streak in her hair. She's got she'd do something yeah. different, something edgy, put a little mm. blue streak in her hair. Yeah. Uh, and then we're introduced to Meredith, the extremely controlling student body president who wants everyone to belong to a clique. And uh, goes about organising students. She also has a dog called Paris. Because it's 2007 and Paris Hilton. (laughs) Also, this character is a gigantic rip-off of Sharpay from High School Musical. Like, I mean, you'd think they're the same character. It definitely. With Sharpay being a bit of a um, rip-off of Regina George. Of course. So this is like a diluted version of Regina George. Yeah, which leads me to the next part, where she gives us a Mean Girls-esque rundown of 
the 48 cliques and uh, we see her map. Now, Mean Girls has a lot to fucking answer for. <laughs> this shit was done time and time again. <laughs> Literally, I am sick of seeing it. Like, looking back at films from that time and you just go from after Mean Girls and it's just, it's in all of the teen films. It's like, fucking stop. If anything, Mean Girls was a parody of teen yeah. films. Yeah. You know, it, it established this because it was parodying yeah. what came before where these cliques did happen. They were shown in teen films. Mm-hmm. Not so obvious, but it is completely lost in translation yeah. between Mean Girls and it then afterwards becomes an established plot point in every single fucking teen film. Afterwards, yeah. it's insane. Well, apparently we've got 48 of them 48. in this film. And we paused it on the map. And on the map, we've got skaters... Um, spell S-K-8-T-E-R-S. Okay, and I, I, I'll just... I'll, we'll deal with that issue now. Um, if you have the number eight in skaters, you don't need that extra T. No, you don't. There's a no. T in the, uh-huh. in the name. Yeah. And Avril Lavigne, if she had been cast, would have she corrected them on that. She yeah. would have been absolutely fuming, and she would have said, guys, you know, I'm just rocking out here. <laughs> don't include the T. I just want to be a rock chick. Don't include that extra T, guys. <coughs> yeah. She, we also get hipster slash trendy, marching band, boy band, gamer geeks, cheerleaders, blingers, cyber bloggers, headgear, bodybuilders, uh, girls soccer, disco dorks, dino students, mimes, greenie, science geeks, emo, preppies, and goths. Now, that's only 19, but she lists some additional ones. We get the gangsters, the wannabe gangsters, the pretzel people who are into yoga, and the football jocks. That's 23. That's not 48. It's not 48. Who the fuck signed this off? (laughs) Who looked at the script? Who looked at that that piece of paper, the map, and allowed her to say 48? Why lie to us? Kept it in a film. What what are you doing? Why lie to us? What is this shit? We're going to catch you out, guys. So the joke's ruined. You know? Like, again, you know, if it's aimed at kids, they're never going to pick up on that. But again, it's insulting. Yeah. And it, it's it's a weird thing where Meredith, she doesn't actually judge any of these. No. She doesn't... It, it's She's not actually necessarily a bully to any of these groups. No. Well, who she's a bully to is the people who don't want to be in those groups. And it's confusing. Because obviously she is a bully. Yeah. She is, and she is the antagonist, and she is the bad guy in the film, and that's well established. But she doesn't actually be mean to anyone apart from the people who don't want to come forward. And they're not even really clicks, they're just people who have common interests. Common interests. Like, getting along with each other. She's just pointing that out. But the whole film's message, which is baffling to me, is to break this up, like... To, to stop with the cliques and everything. Well, if they're all getting on because they all have common interests, what's the problem? Yeah. What's what's the big deal? Yeah. Why why are you... I, I mean, are they the real villains here? The brats? Like, that's their mission is to break this all up. So... And it's all based on common interests. Yeah. And that's the thing. It's not like um, it's based on race. No. Uh, it's not based on sexuality mm-hmm. or religion. It's none of that. It's basically, they have common interests, and so they're stuck together on tables. Yeah. And it's like, oh, are they all getting along? Yeah. yeah. Okay, well, then. What's the problem? Yeah, what's the problem? 
<laughs> What's the problem? Meredith does this mm-hmm. because she wants to control everyone. Yeah. And that's the easiest way to control people is to have them separated into groups. Yeah. Um, Which really she didn't even need to do because no, they were going to go together they were anyway. They going to do it anyway. Like, literally, there is a queue of people to be assigned their cliques yeah. on the first day of school. The first one is a guy who doesn't have any interests. It doesn't want to be around people. So he's put in the loner group. Mm-hmm. Okay. There is one behind who is dressed head to toe as a mime. Yeah. 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 First day of school. You've come to school dressed as a mime. Uh-huh. Okay. What group do you think you're going to be Exa- put in? Exactly. <laughs> the mime group. Exactly. Stupid film. <laughs> like, I mean, even the loner one, she puts him in a group of other loners. That's really nice. I mean, that's her doing a good deed. Yeah, and they don't talk to each other. Yeah. <laughs> it's weird. It's very weird. Because then we're introduced to Meredith's father, who is Principal Dimley, played by John Voight. Mm-hmm. Oscar winner, John Voight. Well-established actor, yeah. John Voight. Yeah. Who is reading the book that Meredith has recommended, which is a dummy's guide to how to run a prison. Yeah. And Meredith establishes that these cliques are part of this book on how to run a prison Mm -hmm. and to keep people conforming by putting them into their groups, which in prison would be racially divided, religiously divided, sexuality. um, It would include, you know, skinheads and gang members. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So it's, it's like a very adult joke. Yeah. Um, which would totally go over kids' heads about, you know, it being how to run a prison. Uh-huh. Um, so, again, it's like, who's your audience here, guys? Meredith hates the independent spirit of the four girls straight away and plots to destroy their friendship and make them conform to her prefabricated cliques. Yeah, they walk past her whilst uh, a budget rip-off version of Candy Shop's playing. Yes. What's your favourite uh, budget rip-off of a song? And there is a real answer. Uh, is it the one in Halloween 2018, I Don't Care, Charlie XCX? <laughs> that is a good one. My personal favourite is the Crazy in Love rip-off from, from That's So, so Raven. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Very similar energy, yeah. definitely. Uh, uh yeah. Yeah. Jade enters the science lab. She does. But she looks so goddamn cool with her little blue streaks in her hair that some of the nerds in the, in there ask her if uh, she's in the right room. Yeah. So she immediately impresses everyone by creating fireworks in the classroom. Yes. The head nerd, played by Shet, uh, Shet Hanks, he's so impressed that she he reels off this how impressed he is and how cool she is and how wonderful she is. And she thanks him by taking off his glasses. Yeah. Am I, was I a little confused? <laughs> were these goggles or glasses? I feel like they were glasses. I definitely feel like they were glasses. Yeah. And so she... spoiler alert, he never wears glasses again. No, she sorts out his eyesight for him just <laughs> yeah. by taking his glasses off. But this CGI firework it is from this beaker. Ridiculous. So cheap. So shit. It's, it's honestly... I don't know who the fuck thought of that. It it's... fills up like half the screen, <laughs> but it's definitely like a filter, like a yeah. really cheap filter. Uh-huh. <laughs> Sasha butts heads with the head cheerleader from the offset. Um, 
why the head cheerleader's wearing a tiara, I don't know, but she keeps it on for the rest of the film. Um, Logan Browning's double nails a perfect routine <laughs> and everyone is impressed and she's allowed to join the cheerleaders. She is. After a uh, conversation with the cheerleading captain, because uh, she says she could do better, so the, the captain's like, so bring it. And she says, girl, I brought it. Nailed it, lent it to my friend's good sister, and I brought it back while she was figuring out the beat. Yes, we've all seen Bring It On. Thank you very much. Another fucking reference. And it's like, Cringe. it doesn't even, yeah, it's so cringy. It doesn't feel like it's paying homage to these films. It feels like they're taking something from them because their audience isn't going to know what these films are. No, no. And this is, and I'm going to say it now. Because my final critique of the film is that it feels like they've taken every film that I loved when I was like 12 mm-hmm. and told me, a 12 year old, to write a film. Yeah. When I was 12, I probably would have wrote this. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because 12 year olds are dumb. <laughs> I probably would have wrote this. And that's incredible because you've had three adult ass writers. Yeah. Mm-hmm do this and it, it is absolutely what I would have wrote at 12 yeah I'm like oh I love to bring it on let's have a little bit of bring it on uh-huh. I loved she's all that and let me put a little bit of she's all that you know I loved um clueless oh I, I was a bit old for high school musical but I you know all those elements and threw them in together yeah and it's digested and you know Brought out a turd. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. That's what's happened. Chloe shows off her great football skills whilst uh, Tell Me by Dropping Daylight plays. Bit of hard rock music. Of course. <laughs> Cameron, Meredith's friend, is very impressed and uh, thinks that Chloe's hot. Yeah, so Meredith has these three sidekicks. Um, Cameron, who they were too scared to make gay... Uh-huh. Yeah. And um two other girls that do you even get their names? Avery and Quinn. Avery and Quinn, who are obviously mean girls rip-offs. Um one of them played by That's So Raven Star, who was yeah. her best friend. I'm struggling to mm-hmm. remember the character's name. But you know, that's so Raven's best friend. And that's her full name. That's yeah. so Raven. <laughs> Raven Baxter's best friend in the show. That's not her Chelsea? actual... Chelsea? Chelsea, yeah. that's it. Played by the actress who played Chelsea. Yeah. <laughs> her name in the show isn't That's So Raven. It's not a birth certificate. Yeah. That's So, surname Raven. That's So Raven. Uh, Jade... Jade makes... Uh... <laughs> Jade makes outfits for people. Oh, okay. So Jade impresses her teacher when she makes her a sickening red dress in class. And her teacher goes and she's like, well, try it on. And she goes and tries it on, comes back out. And it's absolutely the red dress reveal from the room. Yeah. It's like, Lisa, you look so <laughs> beautiful in your dress. Isn't it fabulous? And she's, for some reason, she's done her hair as well. Yeah. <laughs> she yeah. tried on the dress. Put some makeup on. She had she's... to put on some makeup and put her hair up as well. And it's definitely the dress from the room. Absolutely. It is. Uh, but while she's doing this, 
In a bizarre series of events, oh, Lord. Yasmin watches the music teacher as she debates signing up for chorus. She decides not to. She walks away. Mm. She mm. runs into Dylan. Literally runs into him. A popular jock. Yeah. Who is deaf, but can lip read, and misses being able to listen to music. She says to him, are you blind? And he was like, no, but I'm deaf. Thanks to the National Association of the Deaf's list of hearing actors who have stolen deaf roles, I can confirm that actor Ian Nelson is not deaf. Yes. And he is putting on a slight voice for this role. It... And it is awkward and uncomfortable and gigantically problematic. Very, very um, like, iffy. Yeah. Incredibly so. Because it does feel like he's put on, and probably been asked to, put on a, a voice. Yeah. It, it's not, you know, massively noticeable. It, it's, but it's there. Just, honestly, just hire a fucking deaf actor. Absolutely. It's not that difficult. Absolutely. Why did he have to play this role? Like, yeah. it's a boring performance. Um, and it's just borderline offensive. Like, and it is offensive. Like, I mean, the way he's acting and everything's like, oh, this is so wrong. This is just so, so, so wrong. And because he is really an, a throwaway character. Yeah. Because the relationship between him and Yasmin is so on and off mm. that he's kind of barely in the yeah. film, apart from these very special moments mm. of him dealing with being deaf. Yeah, and it because they're few and far between. His character isn't fully developed. No, um, it's only to have these moments in the film, mm-hmm. and it stinks. It does. It stinks. It's so shittily dealt with. Yeah, she literally says to him, she goes, oh, you don't sound deaf. Oh. And he's like, well, you don't look ignorant, but I guess you can't judge a book, right? And she deserved that. Yeah, but she, she is mortified. Get her, Jane. She is fucking mortified. And I, we know she's mortified because she looks a little sad. And then sad, sinister music plays like she's in a fucking horror film. Yeah. And that's their first meeting. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And this this is the, what I would say, main love interest in the film. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah. Or him or Cameron. Or Cameron. Yeah. You know, there's no kissing. There's no actual real relationships. Like, there's no sort of physicality to these blossoming relationships. Yeah. Meredith, she introduces herself to the girls and tries to sign in them tables, but they're not having it. She's fuming and her friend Quinn accidentally lets it slip that she thinks they're awesome. Yeah. Which... Goes nowhere. It, goes it happens twice in the film, yeah. but Quinn's such a throwaway character. There's absolutely no point to this. It's wasting minutes of my life. Yeah. Having any... Quinn even speaking, it's wasting mm-hmm. minutes of my life. Um, But despite being refusing to have these different tables, they all separate into their own individual cliques. Straight away. Yeah. Straight away. Yasmin's left behind on her own. But they all separate. So it's like, why did you refuse that? Yeah. So it, it's the captain of the soccer team saying, hey, Chloe, come over here. We've mm-hmm. got your uniform for you. She goes over and they have lunch. Jade um, is invited over by the science club. And um, Sasha is invited over by the cheerleading squad. Yeah. And Yasmin's left by herself at lunch. Okay. So 
this happens straight away. And this is the main gist of the film. Yeah. My expectations mm-hmm. were that this would be the main gist of the film. So it happens very early on. We get a montage of the girls talking over Skype, or what we would call Skype or Zoom now, about how they're all very busy and have no time for each other. Uh-huh. This is for 2007. The clarity on these webcams is absolutely incredible. It is. Incredible. Even Chloe, whose main character trait is that she comes from a poor background. Yeah. She's got a single mother. Okay? They're not available for each other. But they're always available for these webcam chats. They are. (laughs) You know? (laughs) Right. Yeah. And also, they're trying to make it out like this is the worst thing in the world. The fact that these girls have plans. Yes. And can't hang out with you. It is terrible. Like, the world is about to fucking end. Oh my God. Why are you teaching kids this? This is fucking reality. Jesus Christ. And my question is, maybe they weren't good friends to begin with. No. Because the film hasn't actually spent a lot of time establishing their friendship mm-hmm. anyway. Because we're really early into the film. Yeah. Really, comparatively, considering the length of the uh-huh. film. We're very early in. And it's spent no time establishing their friendship in any substantial way. And now that it's breaking it up, mm-hmm. which is the main gist of the film, is that their friendship's being broken up. So we then, astonishingly... Cut to two years later. Yeah. The, 30 minutes screen. into the film. In Pink Comic Sans, two years later. In fact, no, less than 30 minutes into the less film. Less than 30 minutes into this film. We've still got an hour and 20 minutes left. Mm-hmm. They all turn up at school separately, all driving, and they're no longer BFFs. Yeah. Ooh, Meredith announces... Well, Meredith has a kiss with Cameron. For some reason. Oh, she does, this, yes. This is never established. This no. never comes up again. That yeah. they're in some sort of relationship. She has a kiss with him. Um, whilst Chloe's filming him on a camera cord for some reason. Um, but yeah, no. Two years later. Yeah. This is where we're at. At a big um, assembly, Meredith announces that the prize for that year's talent show will be a scholarship to a college of their choice. <laughs> Which I was like, really? Like, you don't have to work for that it. That is... You don't have to earn it. 100% not how things work <laughs> in the real world. That's crazy. If that ever happened, there'd be such a backlash. Uh-huh. Like, a talent show. Yeah. Like, four people, are, you know, the judges, the four people judging are going to base a scholarship for an education mm-hmm. that will establish someone for the rest of their lives yeah. based on whether they can do a magic trick. Yeah. And like everyone else who actually works hard for it and everything, fuck their drag. Like, yeah. I mean, you know, nothing, no achievement now. All you got to do is do something stupid in the talent show. Exactly. And that, that I mean, uh, there is a, a case for, you know, a commentary on the way that works in America <laughs> as well, but obviously not, not here. Yasmin and Jade meet in the bathroom at school and they have an awkward exchange where uh, Jade says, I love your lip gloss. And Yasmin's like, yeah, it's so shiny. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Jade abruptly has to leave because she's late for class. And uh, Yasmin says, I miss you. She leaves. (laughs) Um, This is the part, and I, I don't think 
I actually don't think they come across as airheaded as people make out. No. I think that was just a cheap criticism at the time when, you know, reviewers would call them airheads and all, all that shit. Because it's well established that they're all very skilled in particular yeah. ways. But the fact that they, ha- after two years of no friendship, all they can say is, yeah, it's so shiny. My lip gloss is so shiny. I think that's what people kept mm-hmm. going to when they accused the film of making them airheads. Um, Meredith is consistently read to filth by her sister yeah. in a huge home. Cherish. Cherish. Which is ironic, really, because speaking of Cherish, uh, in a previous scene, Jade was wearing a yassified Dawn the Jockey hat from X Factor. <laughs> yeah. But I feel like Dawn the Jockey may have based her look on Bratz. Maybe. She's very much dressed like a Bratz doll. Um, Cherish says, uh, oh, Meredith says, I told you not to talk to me before noon. And Cherish says, is that so I don't smell your morning breath? Or is it the dogs? <laughs> so this, this is, again, this is very Mean Girls, where, you know, the, the, the kid, the sister is very sort of bratty. Yeah. Or very weird. Um, in this huge fucking house, by the way. We then go to Dylan. <laughs> Who? Oh, is this Dylan or Cameron? No, it's Dylan. Dylan. It's Dylan. Yeah, he, he's with uh, Whitman. I get Dylan and show. Cameron confused. Dylan is upset whilst playing the piano. He misses being able to enjoy music. He does. The music teacher shows him how he can still enjoy music by placing his hand on the piano, <laughs> and then the speakers and feeling the vibrations of the music. And everything is solved incredibly quickly, <laughs> despite this having been an issue for Dylan for over two years. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. This Why is... has the music teacher not done this before? Also ridiculous. I'm not sure that's how it works. No, no. I think there is a, a case. You, I feel like you could actually, and it has been done, have a whole film based on somebody who has gone deaf or is going deaf and cannot enjoy music anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, Sound, Sound of Metal. Sound of Metal. Fantastic film yeah. about the very thing. In this film, it's a throwaway thing for a very special moment. Yeah. And I fucking hate that. I yeah. hate that. Because what is the reason? What is the point of just throwing this in? Uh-huh. Because it didn't deal with it. Doing it, it's quickly resolved. We'll and, just feel the speaker, and because the actor's very clearly not deaf as well, yeah, it looks awkward. It yeah. looks so awkward. knowing that the actor's yeah. not deaf, and they probably didn't speak to anyone who is deaf or, oh, or an, a not. charity or an association for deaf people. It comes across really fucking cringe. Yeah, really cringe. Um, an accidental food fight causes them to get detention. The brats, the four girlies. And um, they break the principal statue. Yeah, the, the setup for this scene is awful. It's it's just pa- uh, Paris the dog makes um, makes Chloe throw her lunch all over Jade's head. She falls into a bin, um, which makes her throw her lunch over Sasha, who then slips and sends a skateboard into Yasmin, making her fall over into someone else's lunch. It's like what? Really? They all blame each other. Yasmin calls Sasha a stupid cheerleader. And then everybody gets involved. Yeah. So the whole school, apart from Meredith, who comes out clean as a whistle. Uh-huh. 
Um, everybody gets involved. Did you... There's two things I noticed. Those portions are fucking huge. They are. Particularly yeah. of spaghetti. Uh-huh. Massive. Yeah. They, like, they're overflowing on the plates, uh-huh. these portions. Um, did you also notice that one of the teachers gets involved as yes. well? Yeah. In the food fight. Um, when they're in detention... <laughs> the girls are sat the three of the girls are sat with their backs to each other the the chairs the stools are on the tables for some reason <laughs> but they're all sat with their backs to each other like um what is that NSYNC music video is it gone yeah but they're all looking very pensive uh-huh. and sat weirdly Chloe though is stood at the window on a table, staring out the window, and it's the shittest visual. She's like walking back and forth though on it as well, and it's like, what are you doing? Why are you in the window? Stood at the window on a desk. They get into an argument over why they haven't been friends for the last two years, and Chloe says to Sasha, well, we can't all buy our friends with our dad's bank account. So her dad, who can't work a toaster, is very rich. Yeah. Okay. Sasha, very, very (laughs) harshly, says to Chloe, only because you don't have a dad or a bank account. (laughs) Oh, my God. She's rightfully told how disgraceful that is. Yeah, no, fuck it. That's a bit much love. Like, what's that for? This is also the moment that we learn that Chloe doesn't have Uh a dad or a bank account. So it doesn't mean as much, but it's still really (laughs) harsh. They then reminisce about times that they've supported each other. Sasha apologises. And um, they're back together. Yeah. As friends. Yeah. And it would have been helpful if the film had shown us this these times where they'd supported each other. If we'd had, at the beginning of the film, them, these moments, mm-hmm. and building their friendship yeah. before it's torn apart, and then them getting back together. Again, we're... Are we even halfway through the film? No. So the main gist of the film going into it is these friendships are broken apart and they get back together. Yeah. This all happens not even halfway Uh into the film. So everything else afterwards really feels like filler. Mm -hmm. It does because they haven't established these friendships. It also doesn't mean anything. Meredith's watching the girls bonding via CCTV. And again, she's fuming. She threatens to use the jump drive that she has, the little USB stick, which means absolutely fuck all, because we have no idea what's on this. Mm-hmm. This is obviously a replacement for the um, oh burn book yeah. from Mean Girls. But she has whatever's on this is so awful that her two friends are like, you can't, you can't do it, don't do it. Mm-hmm. Spoiler alert! At the end of the film, she does reveal what's on there, and it ain't that bad. It ain't even serious. It ain't even serious. Yasmin sings La Cucaracha with Bobby, um, and her brother records them on a flip phone, despite his thumb being over the camera for half of the song. <laughs> uh, Bobby 
again gives her some shoes in exchange for chocolate. Yeah, she gets two pieces this time. Two pieces, but it's exactly the same. She puts them in her cleavage. She wonders how she's able to do that magic trick. It's the same scene, just with two pieces of chocolate. And it's after her brother filming them. Um, The girls bond over shopping. They do. And now having been able to make time for each other. Jade uh, tells them she has to hide her passion for fashion so that people think that she's normal. (laughs) Oh my God. You're not... What the fuck? You're not a member of the LGBTQ plus community because you like fucking fashion. Yeah. What is this? But what she's hiding... She's not hiding it from anyone. Because no, she's she, not, no. Because she goes to school and gets changed. She's out shopping in public in she's this outfit. Out she's got her blue streaks in her hair. Oh, I just want people to think I'm normal. What's exactly. not normal about that? You're a girl who likes fashion. Exactly. Who she's hiding it from is her overbearing parents. Yeah. Or her mother specifically. Because yeah. you don't hear anything from her dad. Um, that's who she's hiding it yeah. from. So it's not about being normal. Mm-hmm. It's she. She shows her blue streaks with pride at school. Yeah. She gets changed in the middle of the fucking um, courtyard, <laughs> and there's like a bathroom like right there. Um, they discuss Yasmin's crush on Cameron. No, she doesn't. No, Dylan. Dylan. But Yasmin still thinks that Dylan hates her because of an incident two years ago. No, no. no. She thinks he hates her because he doesn't make eye contact with her and never remembers her name. She doesn't even mention the fact that she accused him of lying about being deaf. Oh, okay. She doesn't even mention that. Like, that's why he fucking hates you. Yeah. He thinks you're a bitch because you fucking accused him of lying. And that's what... You know, about being deaf. And that's what I think because I said, I put in my notes, I don't blame him as she hasn't yeah. tried to make amends at all during the last years. two years. She hasn't gone out of her way at all. No. To establish even a friendship with like, him. Why would in he two years? Yeah, why would he want to remember her name? Why exactly. would he want to make eye contact? Um, the tryouts. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Ah! The tryouts for the talent show take place. And we get a very fuzzy clip <laughs> playing on <laughs> Meredith's laptop of a girl singing with an acoustic guitar. On the laptop. Meredith closes the laptop and says, I love MySpace. (laughs) So she must have really been pleased with this audition that she had over MySpace. Okay. What I don't get is, number one, why this is so fuzzy. And it's 2007. Webcams were a bit fuzzy back then. This is very 2007. But the Bratz video conversations are pretty... Steen. Yeah. Even Chloe, who is in a single income household, mm-hmm. yeah, her webcam is pristine. Yet this girl on MySpace looks fuzzy as hell. You yeah. barely see her mm-hmm. <laughs> and a guitar. What actually happened was a competition was held on MySpace, which is why throughout the film we hear I love MySpace a lot. Uh-huh. A competition was held on MySpace for singers to be featured in the movie. Yeah. And this girl must have won. And that's why she's featured. We then get a very good boy band performing. Uh, one of their members being Kevin McHale, who would go on to starring Glee. But Meredith isn't pleased and doesn't put them through. A very bad magician maybe murders his assistant. Yeah. With swords. And he gets put through. 
And then a couple of fabulous dancers don't get put through. Mm -hmm. So obviously what the film is establishing is that Meredith is trying to put through the bad contestants. Yeah. Which is incredibly shady to the girl from MySpace, Mm -hmm. whose performance Meredith loved. Yeah. (laughs) And she put through to the talent show. Yeah, so she won a competition just to tell she's shit. (laughs) She's shit. (laughs) (laughs) And I honestly, I was like, wait, is this a character we haven't been introduced to yet? Should we (laughs) know who this is? Like, why is it like she's trying to get revenge on her? Like, what's what's going on? This competition winner. The girls sit together at lunch and everyone is astonished. Yeah. How could they? They also try to get the other school classmates to socialise outside their cliques. They do this by, and I kid you not, giving an ugly Betty lookalike a cheap necklace. Yeah. What does that mean? Getting the captain of the soccer team to wear high heels. Uh Uh-huh. Jade's geeky lab partner slash love interest, because I mm-hmm. think they're a love interest as well, defending her honour against a football player via martial arts. Yeah. Jade then teaching maths to the football team via football references. And correct me if I'm wrong, the maths equation they were doing was one plus six. Yeah. Well, Chloe kicks a f- soccer ball into Cameron's crotch because apparently she's clumsy again now Mm -hmm. even during soccer yeah Uh, whatever then we another very strange scene get Meredith in her pool deciding to throw a second sweet 16 party I've got a lot to say about this okay okay. I mean yeah they are forcing these people to not be themselves yeah that, you know, everything that they've worked towards, their passions and everything, like, no, fuck that. Throw it away. Go do something different. Why are we meant to like these characters? What I don't understand is that... the So the captain of the soccer team is very happy being captain of the soccer team. By all accounts. Yeah. Very happy with that. Everyone seems to really enjoy being in their cliques. Mm-hmm. They do. Yeah. You know, they've all got shared interests and the soccer team is very good because they're all very passionate for soccer. I understand that. The Brats, they want, they have their passions, but also want to be friends with each other. Mm -hmm. Okay? I get that, you know, and it's a time constraint. The real bad guy in this is time and not having enough time for each other. What is it saying... When them getting everybody to be happier in mm-hmm. their eyes is making the already happy captain of the soccer team wear high heels. Yeah. Well, maybe she doesn't want to wear high heels. Yeah. Maybe she doesn't want to wear high mm-hmm. heels. Just leave her. Leave her be. Yeah. She's not even good at it. She's struggling. Mm-hmm. You know? But this is their way of getting everyone to teaching maths to yeah. the football team. Yeah. Like, what does that establish? Nothing. It's all based on stereotypes from other high school films. Uh-huh. And the fucking decks that Chet Hanks do in martial arts, fucking, fucking nightmare. One of the worst things I've ever seen. But he's allowed to have the time to do these martial arts. Mm-hmm. But Jade isn't allowed the time to have a passion for fashion. Because yeah. the only one in the film who has contradicting... 
um, passions is Jade. Yeah. Who the film is trying to tell us is being forced to enjoy science because that's what her mother wants, mm-hmm. but repeatedly tells everyone how much she loves science. Yeah. And that, and when it comes to the cliques, that is her clique. But her passion for fashion is just another interest that she has. Very confusing. Yeah. I mean, I'm getting a headache just thinking about it. The next scene is bizarre. bizarre. Um, Meredith has a meeting with Avery and Quinn at a swimming pool, whilst Cherish uh, meditates and tries to imagine Meredith with a personality to great hilarity. Um, Meredith decides she's going to throw a second super sweet 16 party to get attention back at school. Yasmin's annoying brother shows up. Now, Yasmin's annoying brother, he's like, what, 13, 14? Yeah. Looks every year of it. I mean, you know, he dresses like an older man. That's his whole thing. Yeah. You know, he dresses like an older man. He talks like an older man. This is his whole thing. Cherish, about eight years old, maybe even younger. She looks younger. It's established in the film that she's 11. Right. But I feel like she looks yeah. younger than that. And they, they dress her up like she's younger as well. Yes. Like she, she genuinely looks like she's eight years old. Yes. He comes in and tries chatting her up. Yeah. It is fucking creepy. It is so weird to watch because there is clearly an uncomfortable age gap yeah, there. Yeah, it's just weird. It's it's so unnecessary like as well. Like, why does he know her? Big size difference as well. Yeah. Like, like he's much taller than yeah. her. He dresses a lot older. You know, because that's his character. She dresses yeah. a lot younger. Completely pointless. No reason for it to be in the film. Doesn't add to his character. Doesn't add to her character. Mm-hmm. Because then Meredith starts flirting with him. Yeah. And... He says that he has this juicy video of his sister singing to La Cucaracha. Yeah, okay. And she says, oh, bring it over. He throws over the phone, because they're in a pool, and then goes... No, he swims over to her. He throws the mobile over. Yeah. uh, His mobile phone over, so Uh it doesn't get wet. And then swims over fully dressed. Yeah. She then says, well, can you put the video on this USB? (laughs) <laughs> and he does so, and this is a flip phone in 2007, by inserting the USB into his phone. It's like, not how it works. How stu- it's stupid shit like that, where you're like, even from a 2007 perspective, anyone with an ounce of, you know, intelligence would be like, that's not how that works. Yeah. Any sort of, you know savvy when it comes to technology would be like that's stupid even in 2023 even in 2023 you'd be like no no you can't even do that now you know it takes a lot more than that (laughs) fuck's sake yeah chloe decides she can't go to the super sweet 16 uh because she can't afford to buy a new outfit and has nothing to wear (laughs) sasha solves this when she gives her one of her guilt certificate checks from her parents and says, divorce isn't that bad. What message are you giving here? Yeah. Sasha's got an issue with her parents' divorce, but she's getting two checks, two guilt checks from them. Yeah. And she's happy with that. She's happy with it. Like, it's all resolved because she just got two checks. Yeah. How awful is that to teach to a young audience? Yeah. Fucking hell. We then get a montage of the girls shopping, and apparently... 
sightseeing in their own hometown <laughs> as if they've never done that before. Uh, Chloe also assaults a woman <laughs> over a belt, uh, which is, for which she is congratulated by Jade. Yeah, Jade's like, oh, I'm so proud of you. Like, okay, because she just threw a woman to the ground. Like, what the fuck? It's that... She's, she congratulates her because she's willing to get violent for fashion. Yeah. So now she has a passion for fashion. Uh-huh. Even though they're all kind of dressed to the nines anyway. I mean, the tagline, In a 2007 Yeah, the tagline the entire thing is, you know, and the theme song is Bratz, we're the girls with a fashion for passion. So, right. passion for passion. <laughs> passion for fashion. Um, like, okay, so then shouldn't all of them have a passion for fashion from the offset? Exactly. Like, <laughs> if that's the part of like... the film, that they're finding their passion for fashion, then maybe it would have been a little more interesting, but it, it's just kind of thrown in there. They should all have a passion for fashion, which is their clique, and yeah. it's the thing that brings them all together. But that's not true because it's only established that Jade has a passion for fashion, uh-huh. but she also has a passion for science. Yeah. So why can't they all have a passion for fashion, but then have other, pa- uh, other passions, which are getting in the way of their f- passion for fashion, yeah. which is what brings them all together as the brats. Yeah. Duh. Doi. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> Hello. Meredith uh, assigns people to cliques for the party and the girls are for you, man. Apart from Sasha, who's not best pleased because they're like, yeah, okay, yeah, we're definitely not going. Yeah. I was like, well, but I have a new outfit to wear. And they're like, well, no, we're not going. Yeah, but what does that say about Sasha's character? I know, yeah. Nothing. She's, like, she's willing to give it, it up just makes so her look like a bit of a dick. But it's... Why is... Why are we making her look like a dickhead? You know, why, yeah. why are we making her a knob? By uh-huh. not being fully committed to, you know, you know their friendship. Like, what mm-hmm. does that mean? Um, okay. Do you know what my issue is? What? The cliques. The clique that Yasmin was given. Mm-hmm. Journalism. Yeah. Have we seen in the hour plus now mm-hmm. of the film... Yasmin partaking in any journalism whatsoever. No, nothing. No. Nothing at all. Her passion is singing. Yeah. But she can't sing because she's frightened. Yeah. Because she gets stage fright. Uh-huh. Okay? What is this journalism about? I, I have no idea. Like, why is it mentioned? Why is it mentioned at all? <sighs> oh, no. I have to do journalism. Yeah. Also, do they never share classes? No. Sure, surely they don't just have classes based on their cliques. <laughs> surely there has to be well, maths she... and English and history. She has been where teaching be- her dad how to run a school. Where potentially they all... Yeah, but there's got to be guidelines set by the government. Clearly not in this film. <laughs> Clearly not. Like, I mean, some of the stuff that's gone on, the school probably should have been shut down. I mean, the fucking yeah, food yeah. fight thing. The armed what? security. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, the uh, the teacher partaking yeah. in the food fight. Yasmin sings a song called Open Eyes. Well, she lip syncs to a song she called does. Open Eyes. For some reason, she's in a classroom singing this. She's singing it through a microphone. Hooked up to a PA system with speakers. Yeah. Why? But she dreads anyone hearing her yeah. sing. So she sings through a fucking microphone turned all the way up. <laughs> yeah. Dylan walks in... <laughs> Anyone walking past yeah. could hear her sing. Anyone in a fucking five mile radius can hear her sing. Like, seriously, fucking ten mile. Like, she's got it turned all the way up. 
She's singing loud. Fucking... But she never sings at home. She never sings at home. She never sings apart from Luku Karacha with Bobby. Yeah. That's the only time she but she's sings so scared, at home. She probably shouldn't even do that. No. Dylan walks in, puts his hand on the speakers. And then he's like, oh my God, you're amazing. And she's like, well, I mean, thanks, but how do you know this? You, you can't. He's like, it's okay, you can say it. Here, you can't. You, I can't hear. I was like, oh my God, stop, stop, stop. He takes her to a speaker and I shit you not, he puts her hand on the speaker. He's like, sing for me. And she just I'll open eyes. Oh, and <laughs> sing for me. <laughs> and my angel of music. It's a very Jessica Simpson voice. It's like, oh, I open eyes. Oh, and she and he is like, and he is loving it. She's like, no, it's not. It's uh, it's Kim Sosiak. Wow, 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 wow. And she's like, uh, Oh my god, how how are you doing this? Um and then he he explains that this whole thing is like, I didn't exactly hear your voice. I felt your voice, and it's amazing. Okay, hang on a minute. Whoa, 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 whoa. You can't hear through doing this. Like the teacher made it look like he could hear from putting his hand on a speaker. Fucking bullshit anyway. Then why are you telling her she's amazing for? Why are you lying to her? You can't hear what she's singing. Yeah. And okay, and then she's there, like, oh my god, oh my god, like with her hand on the speaker. What are you saying that for? You can't hear shit. It's not working for you, clearly. No. What are you doing? Why are you acting like you can fucking hear something? And then it, it, the scene sadly doesn't end there. He shows her his DJ skills and uses this as an example as to why she should sign up to the talent show. And he says. It would be a crime to keep that voice inside yourself. It fucking wouldn't. It's not that good. I don't know who did her singing voice. It's a bit shit. It's over singing, isn't it? It's is, yeah. like it really isn't anything special. If you go listen to Jade singing on the other hand, Jade's a beautiful should, singer. You know, probably encourage her to sing some more. But, but he so instant. So it's established that he can't play piano now. But no, because, he can. But but he's decided not to play piano. Yeah. After the teacher has said, well, why don't you play the decks instead? And, like, DJing? Yeah, be a DJ instead. Be a DJ By instead. By the way, I didn't mention during the scene, very good at piano. Yeah. When he was playing piano, even when he was frustrated, he, struggled, he was hitting all the right notes. He was. Like, he did very he, well. He was slamming his hands down and he was hitting all the right notes. Like, oh, I can't do it. Well, you just show that you can. But the make so, your mind up. Spoiler alert: He during the performance of the Brats during the talent show, he DJs. He does. But what I would have preferred was if he just kept up with the piano. Yeah. Because you know, um, was it? I might show a bit of stupidity here. It, Beethoven was deaf. Yeah. And he was a classical pianist. Uh-huh. So. He could have done. They could have done that, and they maybe have gotten a better song in the end, without the stupid DJ. Yeah, what was he DJing? Like, did they record all of this, pre-record it, and then add it to vinyl? I don't like, know. What, what... I, yeah, I don't know. But the idea is that everyone brings their superpowers into the final performance yeah. to win the day. And his is DJing. And his is fucking DJing. insulting. When like... it should be playing the piano. You know, I mean, nothing against DJs. Obviously, you know, I have a friend who's a DJ. It's great. DJing is a great skill. 
But, I mean, this guy, you're giving him his big moment, and he can play the piano. We've seen him do it. Yeah. He can play the piano. Like, uh, well, no, I want him to be a DJ instead. What? Why? He can play piano. Because it fits better with the final performance. Yes. Because the shit song. Chloe returns... <laughs> Chloe returns... <laughs> ah! Chloe returns home and wakes up her mum, who is either ill or exhausted. <laughs> or drunk. Or drunk. I wish she was drunk. I wish that her mum had a drinking problem. I do. I'm sorry. It would have been a more entertaining film if her mum had the drinking problem. You know, like, she's all that. Yeah. When dad is a, a loser. Mm-hmm. And you kind of wish that they'd sort of established that a bit more because he was actually a funny character. Mm-hmm. Um she says, oh, you're burning up. You better go to bed. So I don't know if she's ill or not. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. But then it makes out that she's just exhausted. Yeah, you don't burn up from having too much sleep. No. (laughs) And I just feel that the filmmakers didn't care. And they were just like, oh, just burning up, whatever. Just establish that she's unable to complete this task. Because Chloe's mum has a catering business, apparently. Not been established previously. Catering business, and she's got to cook for is it what 150 people or whatever? Uh-huh. She's got lots of cooking to do single handedly, by the way. Yeah, all on her own. She's all on her own. Um, she's taken on this task. So she goes to bed, and Chloe said, I'll deal with it. So Chloe asks the girls to come over and help cook for the party. Um, whatever party it is, mm. which we all know, everybody knows, you know. There's a sweet sixteen coming up. Yeah, it's a big party that she has to cater for, which makes no, no sense. sense. Because if it, you know Meredith's obviously done this out of spite, yeah, she would have fucking told them before now. She, she would have known bragged about it. Meredith. Like seriously, Sasha says that um, she could burn water. Yeah, um, and none of them are established as great chefs. Yeah, mm-hmm. they then we then get the obvious montage of them cooking and they produce some beautiful looking cakes professional professional like store-bought like it's store perfectly made perfectly made and it's all there ready to go 150 people didn't she say we have to make 15 different meals or whatever and it all fits on one table by the way and they're like (laughs) ta-da it's all done and close i'm so pleased um she gets a very a very brief call <laughs> and she's I can't my servers they can't make it <laughs> it's very like less than five seconds uh-huh. this call she says they can't make it and so they're like well we'll do it and then she says oh it's for Meredith Sweet 16 mm-hmm. and they're like oh oh we can't do it. oh no oh oh and they're like what the fuck do you think the food was for <laughs> Like, did you not think to ask this? Ask. And this huge party, and this dumb bitch, Chloe's mum, <laughs> I'm sorry to say it, this silly cow thought that she could single-handedly cater it. Yeah. Like, that's ridiculous. Yeah. Why would she not have extra chefs on yeah. for this huge party? And it's, stuff, it's a huge party. MTV are going to be there. It's... My super sweet 16, you know? But her mum's an idiot. And this next scene establishes that even more. Yeah. Meredith, they all agree to do it. Meredith makes them all dress up as clowns. The mum's fine with this. 
She's not like, okay, hang on, no, fuck this. Like, why? What a stupid idea. Why would you do that? Yeah. Of course. They're working for me. They're not going to do that. Of course not. You're not getting no food. Good luck getting it somewhere else at this time. You know, last minute. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. That's what you'd do. No, no, do you know what? Fine, whatever. Just fucking carry on. So they're there at the party. Party's about to happen. Fully dressed as clowns. Yeah. From head to toe. And so... Jade says, I've got a way to fix this. And she pulls out her portable sewing machine. <laughs> and then Sasha's like, I've got a way to fix this. And pulls out a full makeup kit. Yeah. Yeah. We then get flying um, fabric in mm-hmm. the air. Kind of looks a little dirty. Not going to lie. Um, of Jade fixing these outfits. We get the big reveal with mm-hmm. serving platters yeah. at the party. It's giving Gwen Stefani what you're waiting for, yeah. Alice in Wonderland. Uh-huh. Yeah. And they come out and everyone's astonished. <clears throat> oh, you girl, she looks so beautiful. Um, how did they change from full clown makeup and costume to these in such a short amount of time? It's absolutely ridiculous. As well as that, Meredith spends most of the party going like, oh, you're doing this, you're going to be fired, you're going to be fired, you're going to be fired. Okay. Your terms yeah. were for them to dress like clowns. Yeah. They've walked out. They're not dressed like clowns. They've already stole the attention of the party. Yeah. Fucking sack Why them. didn't they just get That's fired That's not then? on their terms. Yeah. Get rid. They should have just got fired then. Like, uh, they should have been dressed like clowns. That's what they were given. Can you imagine showing up to a job and they're like, you've got to be in a work outfit. And then you show up in plain clothes. Like, well, no, of course. Not. Get the fuck out of here. What are you doing? Every single problem in this film is resolved like that. Yes. Yeah. In an instant. And so there's just all these problems that are resolved like that. And it's fucking boring. Yeah, Meredith, she makes a big entrance to the party on an elephant, whilst Rockstar by Primer J plays, uh, which includes lyrics about being Queen Elizabeth. And that's not being a fucking rock star. No. <laughs> Jesus Christ. So Meredith's just full on fuming now. Yeah. So No Sleep Tonight by the Faders no play when they walk yes. out their outfits. What a banger. I fucking love that song. Um, Meredith tries to get back at them by inviting Yasmin up on stage to sing. Whoa, whoa, whoa. you've missed out a really vital scene. Okay. Cherish offers the girls to kidnap her because of a uh, terrible life that she's living. Yasmin's creepy brother shows up dressed like a 60-year-old and is like, eh, well, uh, I'll kidnap you. What the fuck? Why is this in there? Why? Why is this in there? She then has a costume... Meredith has a costume change and performs her song, Fabulous, with a full choreographed dance routine, along with backing dancers and everything. Somehow, this was released a month before High School Musical 2. Yeah. I, I don't know how they managed to pull it off. Unless they saw any previews or it was released early. Like, that's ridiculous. It, it's pretty much dead on. But yeah. Also, we can't say that it's a rip-off. No. It's incredible. Um, Yeah. She So Yasmin is invited up to sing. Mm-hmm. She can't do it, though. And runs off, crying into the night. Yeah? Yeah. Then... The video that Yasmin's brother recorded of her singing with Bobby is played and everyone laughs. And again, pristine, pristine this video Uh is for a flip phone in 2007. So, uh, not Cameron, I keep doing this. We're going to call it Carrie now. Sadly, it doesn't go like like Carrie. So, Dylan 
starts a conga line to help with Yasmin's embarrassment, which is fine, but Yasmin's long gone. She's gone off yeah. screaming into the night and everything's resolved. Yeah. It's not embarrassed anymore. Meredith has a costume change, which is made possible by someone throwing glitter over her. Yeah, which is a, a well-established magic trick. Um, but yeah, and then she gets her costume change and everything. And um, Yasmin reappears. Serving still. <laughs> She's over her embarrassment. She's, She's not over her embarrassment anymore. so quickly. Like that video went nowhere. No. Like no one cared uh-huh. in the end. Uh Meredith's party then ends it disastrously when she is accidentally smothered in her own cake and uh is knocked into her pool by uh, the elephant. Yeah. Uh it's Jade who knocks her into the cake, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And uh, her and her friends end up in the pool. And she says, you, you brats. Oh, there we go. There we are. With a Z. Brats with a Z. At the school, the cliques are back, rendering the last 30 minutes of this film completely pointless. Uh, The girls are told by their respective cliques that they aren't spending enough time together. And Jade will be dumped by the science club. Chloe from the soccer team and Sasha from the cheerleading squad. Absolutely understandable. Yeah. Absolutely. Like yeah. they're they're in teams, they're in clubs, they're refusing to spend time with them. Why the fuck would they want them on a team? If they so for example, if Chloe isn't turning up for soccer practice, then surely she shouldn't be part of no, the team. No, of course not. If it's the fact that they're not sitting together at lunch then it's not. It's a no non problem. Mm. It's it, it's not a problem. Yeah. At all, if they're not having lunch together, because the only time that the brats are established as really spending time with each other at school is during lunch. Yeah. So there's nothing to suggest that they are missing soccer practice or cheerleading practice. Mm-hmm. None of that. So it's it's a non problem. Yeah. Also, fuck journalism's drag. Yeah. Like okay. So Yasmin's just fine. You know, journalist. She's the only journalist. This non-established journalist. She's, she club. like teaches herself and everything. <laughs> the upcoming talent show and its scholarship prize gives them the idea to bring all the cliques together again with a musical number. Yes. They decide to put everyone's talents together and they call themselves the Brats. So Jade will be... Um, making the costumes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sasha will be choreographing. <clears throat> Yasmin, um, Yasmin will be singing the lead. <laughs> Yasmin. Yasmin. She's a Yasmin. <laughs> Chloe will try not to fall over. Yeah. Um, Dylan will be DJing and all of the musical acts, the great musical acts that weren't chosen for the talent show because they were too good. They will all be performing together. And they're doing it to win the scholarship for Chloe. Yes. Sasha's dad gives her a pep talk in a hilarious scene. He's basically like, I'm so proud of you putting your differences aside and coming together. So it's established that the parents are aware of these cliques. Oh, apparently everything that happens in the fucking film. aware of these issues, but... Decide not to do anything yeah. about it. Um, Sasha says to her dad, well, maybe you and mum could do that one day. And he, <laughs> he looks. 
Yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Problem resolved. All, all, all issues resolved. Meredith blackmails Yasmin by threatening to falsely suggest that Chloe's mum was stealing and threatening to show embarrassing photos of them, I think. I wasn't really sure no. what she was going on about. So then Yasmin coldly quits the brats and they fall out again. Mm-hmm. This is quickly resolved when Bubby simply suggests that Yasmin tells the truth to the girls and Chloe's mum suggests that they give Yasmin the benefit of the doubt and question why she why she chose to quit. This happens straight away and everything is fine again. At the talent show, Meredith sings a song about how everything is about her and how many friends she has. Um, one of the lyrics is, you know Madonna ain't got nothing on me. <laughs> To which the camera cuts to Lainey Kazan shaking her head in the audience. <laughs> She's like, but, but, but Beyonce ain't got nothing on me. C -c -c Christina ain't got nothing on me. But Lainey Kazan is particularly yeah, peeved about Madonna. at suggesting that Madonna ain't got nothing on her. <laughs> at the end of the performance, the crowd goes mild. Yeah, she, it also includes more MySpace promotion as well. Yes. Look, I've got a million friends on MySpace. Uh, Lily Allen, eat your heart out. Yeah. The brats show up and demand to perform. And even Sasha's mum and dad can agree that they should be allowed yes, to perform. obviously. And divorce is resolved. Meredith outs them to the audience <laughs> and everyone decides to reveal their secrets. So it's very much stick with the status quo. Yeah, she's like, oh, Jade, she's got a secret passion for fashion. And it's very much like, yeah, all right. This... Then, like, Chloe's mum is a thief. She stole a doll from me. Yeah. And but then Cherish is like, no, actually, I stole a doll. And then everyone's like, oh, well, I play, I do ballet and I like it. Oh, yeah, I'm a football player, but I also love ballet Bubby comes out as a chocoholic she says my name's Bubby and I'm a chocoholic and everyone says hi Bubby which is a hilarious joke for people who are aware of Alcoholics Anonymous yes the eight year old girls that this film is for I'm not aware of jokes surrounding <laughs> Alcoholics Anonymous or at least I hope they're not my thing is Jade has turned up and she's got her blue streaks in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And she's dressed, ready to perform. Yeah. Her parents see her, because she gets the spotlight on her. Yeah. But only react once Meredith has outed her as having a passion for fashion. Yeah. Yet she is there uh -huh. presenting herself as someone who has a pa fashion... Oh, passion, passion for fashion. fashion. <laughs> we then... Ooh, Turn my stomach. The girls perform Bratitude with all the other acts. They have a full choir. Full choir. People playing every music, every musical instrument known to man. Yes. Whilst fucking morons DJing over there. Like, yes. why? And they're choreographed dance routine. Yes. And Am it's I... fucking awful. It is really bad. The song is very bad. It's just... Bratitude and then finding ways to rhyme with gratitude. <laughs> so it's attitude, latitude, all that business. Mm -hmm. My question, why is the narrative that Yasmin is a great singer 
when they all can sing they can really all sing. well. They can all They're dance, all singing. Like... So it's not it's not a pussycat doll situation. No. They're all singing equally. In the end, there is a tie. Meredith gets the trophy, but the girls also get the scholarship, which they decide to give to Chloe. Is Bobby rich? Because she can afford these shoes. She can afford all these shoes. But she, as far as I'm concerned, that is also a single income mm-hmm. household. Yeah. Whoever Bobby is. So Yasmin doesn't need the scholarship. Mm-hmm. So they give it to Chloe. They are then offered an appearance as the featured act at a red carpet gala by an MTV pro- vice president, which they're all really happy with. Mm. And they're like, yes, we can perform. We're going to be on MTV. But you're all go- also going to college. Yeah. So is it? It was this meant to be the um, sequel? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, we all want to go to college, but we're also very famous singers on MTV. Yeah. You know, because they they can't do both. If they can't in- have a, a passion for fashion and also a passion for science, they definitely can't be worldwide singing acts and go to college. Uh-huh. They ain't got time for that. They ain't, definitely haven't got time for no. MTV. When he asks them to do it, um, Sasha's like, two words, ah, duh. Yeah. Really? <laughs> oh, God. And during the end credits, they perform Yasmin's shitty open eyes song at the Red Carpet Gala. Um, when this ends... The nightmare continues, and we get the music video for Rainy Day by Janelle Parrish in the end credits. In the end credits. Come on, shameless self-promotion. Fucking hell. But also just her. Just her. Just her. It is actually her, yeah. What? I am confused. Because we've gone through this whole film with Yasmin being the singer. Yasmin is the singer and can't perform in public. When they perform on the MTV red carpet, I swear Yasmin lip syncs to a male voice. Yeah. I swear it's a male voice. Mm-hmm. Only the actresses playing Jade, Sasha and Chloe are credited as performers for this song on IMDb. They're uncredited in the film. Uh-huh. On IMDb, it's Jade, Sasha and Chloe who are credited as singers on this song. Yeah. Not Yasmin. Yeah, despite mm-hmm. Yasmin being established as the singer in the film. Yeah. All the voices seem a lot older than the girls mm-hmm. as well. So I feel like maybe they're not even singing. And also different to the voices during the talent show. Yeah. Jade, the actress playing Jade, she has her music. It's a really bad music video. I'm sorry. It looks very cheap. and uh, But she has a beautiful voice. So again, why did she not play Yasmin? Yeah. Why? Yeah. And then the fir- that's the film. Yeah. Genuinely, just bottom of the barrel trash. I, I don't really can't get my head around what the filmmakers were thinking with this one. I, I really can't. The decisions are mind boggling. Yeah. Like, what is the end goal? What is the message? What just is don't the be yourself. Message? Don't be yourself. You know, fucking steal the spotlight from other people. The songs are terrible. The acting's terrible. Yeah. The script, terrible. It looks awful. Looks awful. It, it's really bad. Really bottom of the bottle. And it's an hour and 40 minutes. Are you fucking kidding me? Way too to long. Be, yeah. Way, way, way yeah. too long. 
really, really bad. Awful, 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 awful. Yeah. Let's uh, <laughs> get to the awards. <laughs> Biggest queen. I mean, I don't know. I Cherish, I guess. I mean, Cherish can read for filth. Yeah. But still not funny. I, I said Bobby. I'm, yeah. I'm a chocoholic too, so at least we can be in a clique together, chocoholics. Yeah, I'll, I'll give it to Cherish. Biggest gasp, Dylan. Everything involving Dylan. Yeah. Like, yeah. and that insulting, offensive storyline. Particularly their first encounter, but yeah. Dylan as a whole. Every time gasp. he's on screen, everything yeah. they decide to do with that character. Uh-huh. Best dialogue, I've got, okay, work the IQ girl, but please don't lose your passion for fashion. I went with only because you don't have a dad or a bank account. <laughs> and uh, that's camp. I've got Jade literally creating fireworks at school. <laughs> I went with Lainey Kazan's disgust at Meredith telling everyone she's better than Madonna. <laughs> uh, for ratings, I give it one conversation while standing in a window out of ten. <laughs> I gave it one edgy blue streak, like a rock chick out of ten. <laughs> Uh, masterpiece, trash, piece, trash, or basic. It is trash, trash of a capital T. Trash, trash, trash. It's available on Netflix, DVD, and video on demand. And if you enjoyed this, I recommend checking out every other teen movie from the 2000s that it references because I can guarantee you every 2000s teen film it created is better than this. Yes. If you enjoyed this, I recommend checking out future podcast film Mean Girls 2. Oh, God. Bottom of the barrel, very similar. Yeah, great. <laughs> um, I mean, I'm, I'm sure that's something we would have had recommended to us anyway. I think so. Um, if just tell us what you think of this film. Uh, someone commented it's a cult classic. Please reevaluate this. Oh um, lord. Ooh. We are Horrorcore Trash over on Facebook and Instagram. Horrorcore Trash on Twitter. I'm done at Gaz92 on Letterboxd, Gazmo205 on Instagram, and GazCruise92 on Twitter. I'm Chris Barker823 on Letterboxd and Instagram. And uh, we are now two weeks away from Gasp oh, Festival. Oh my god. It's getting closer. There are limited tickets left. Yes. Get those festival passes whilst you can. You, you gotta be quick. Yes. Uh, Gasp Horror Fest across all social media. Rate, review, subscribe on iTunes. Like, follow nothing else. Uh, this is double episode week because this was delayed. We'll be back on Friday mm-hmm. where we'll be finishing the Howraiser franchise. With How Raise the Through the Years, part five, our official first uh, episode of Pride Month. Yeah, so proud. Well, we're proud of the remake. Half we're, proud. We're, half we're proud. Not, not so proud of Judgment. <laughs> and next week, uh, it'll be the first of our guest episodes of Pride Month, where we'll be joined by Ben Simpson to discuss Norman J. Warren's uh, queer classic, Prey. Yes. Yes. Um, very excited for that. So we'll be back same time, same place on Friday. Bye.